it can be scary sometimes to be listening to something other than human and following what they have to say because it brings you into this realm of uncertainty of, of the unknown that a lot of people are afraid of but we're <laughs> like it or not we are in that place so deeply right now the place of the unknown and the uncertain so if not now when there comes a time on your soul journey where you are called home to your true self in answering this call you are part of a powerful collective shift towards deeper understanding and expansion. You are part of something bigger than yourself. You are in the stage of growth known as enlightenedhood. I'm Lena Lemos, your host and founder of House of Enlightenedhood. I'm here to help you heal and remember the depths of your soul as you step into who you were always meant to be. Spirituality should be as simple as coming home to yourself and tuning into your heart. And on this podcast, I provide you with channeled wisdom and tangible tools to incorporate into your soul exploration. If you're inspired by today's episode, please leave a review, subscribe to the show, and share this episode on Instagram. I am so grateful that you're here. Hello, you beautiful souls, and happy Monday, happy solar eclipse, happy new moon, happy week leading up to this really huge event we have happening next week on the solstice with all these huge planetary conjunctions, conjunctions, you can tell I'm not an astrologist, right? (laughs) Planetary conjunctions where Saturn and Jupiter are going to be so close together in the sky, one degree apart, I believe. Look at me just like spouting off these things where in the sky, it's going to look like they are one star, which is pretty cool. But it has not happened in this way ever. And last time it did, some crazy-ish happened. So the energy right now on this planet is crazy. I don't know about you, but I have been exhausted. I have been in bed every night at eight o'clock in the last week and just truly honoring what comes up for me, letting it flow through, really trying to stay grounded and in the highest frequency possible. I've heard a lot of spiritual teachers and ascension guides talk about how this time right now, this time leading up to the solstice is so important for our frequency. And this is what we've been training for in terms of learning how to detach from things that are stealing our joy, stealing our power, keeping our frequency lower and making sure that we are nourishing our soul, nourishing our body, nourishing our energetic body. So that's your homework this week to make sure you are releasing all of those things that are keeping you in a lower frequency, whether it's unhealed traumas, wounds, things that are still coming up for you. I know so many of you have told me how there's just weird things from the past coming up this week. And I think that's because you're, you're being called and invited to heal them and release them before this huge opening into this new earth that we are creating. And it's so beautiful. And I know there's so much fear and chaos and lower timelines, shall I say, that are happening right now on this planet. But I know most of us who are who are tuned in to to light and to love are really (laughs) 
I don't know if enjoying is the right word, this, this wave and this roller coaster that we are on in this year that is 2020. And this year has brought us so much healing and so much clarity and so much expansion, which leads me to something really exciting that I have been dying to share with you. And this may, it's not premature, but I'll have a lot more to share with you as we continue to, to unravel and to build and to grow and to launch. But I think I told you a few weeks ago that the universe has just continuously closed line to me <laughs> for the past few months. And since September, really things have just happened so fast. And I kind of want to preface this with this idea that we ask for for blocks to be removed so we can grow and expand, right? We ask to to up level, we ask to grow, we ask for our dreams to come true. But for those things to happen, like there has to be a tangible thing that happens on the earth plane if that makes sense. So if I'm asking for me to step into my power and to remove things that are keeping me from serving in the highest truth and compassion for people on this planet, which I have been working on for the past two years, things kind of have to move and shift. Those of you who have seen the Queen's Gambit, you know how she kind of visualizes the chess pieces moving on on the ceiling and they're very like Harry Potter-esque chess pieces, like things like that have to shift in your life in order to bring you to, to what you're asking for. And so I had been, I've been working on this for so long and, and I realized that all these things kept happening to, to push me into, to this new state, to this new place, to this new path. And it's kind of just a culmination. I've described it as picking up the puzzle pieces and seeing the clear puzzle of what that image is. And it's kind of been that, but also those things, there had to be a lot of screens removed to finally be able to see what the the picture is. Am I making sense? I don't really know anymore. But <laughs> what I am so excited to share with you is that for the last almost two years, so I you're like, Lena, get, get to this already, but I feel like it needs context. Two years ago, when I was six months pregnant, I was given this divine download of this word enlightenedhood that those of you who have been here from the beginning or you're listening for the first time, obviously, hey, enlightenedhood, this state of awakening, this state of expanding, this state of this innate call that you are more, there's more and to show up and do better for you and for your family and for your community. And I have slowly been trying to put the pieces together of what does that mean to the world? What does that mean to me? What does that mean to the way that I show up and serve? And so I originally, as a new mom, started asking other moms how are you doing it? What does your spiritual practice look like? Why is no one having this conversation about spirituality and motherhood? And I used my 10 plus years of media and marketing and PR video experience to put together this kind of conversation and movement in that there's a different way to do things. Um, and that started to expand to figure out, okay, 
how do we create this conversation, but also serve from an educational standpoint? And that grew. And then I grew and I realized I was being called to serve more than just mothers because there's so much of the, the early stages of figuring out how to, how to show up in the world involved me healing a really deep motherhood, not really motherhood wound, but more of a femininity, like my divine feminine. I had to heal a lot of that because I held so much shame around my sexuality, around motherhood, pregnancy, all that stuff. And once I healed that, it I was truly called to step up and use this term of enlightenedhood to to spread more light and to be able to help people who are starting to awaken but see this version of spirituality that has is deeply saturated in materialism in ego and white women and i am really frustrated with the way that we have presented spirituality and it totally is disconnected from the people who need it most and every time I would sit and I would write down my intentions and my manifestations for what I wanted, this small little company that I created to become, there were always two words that were included, and that was media empire. I was a TV film screenwriting major. I have a PR master's degree. I love creating content. I love speaking. I love the written word. I wrote a book that many of you have bought. Thank you. I love media so much that I embarrassingly will tell you that when I wrote my college essays to apply to all these different multimedia programs, I believe the phrase I used was I put the me in media, <laughs> basically saying that I love it more than anything in the entire world. I used to try to get my parents to help me make feature films. And I wrote all these books when I was a kid. And I just, storytelling is how I thrive. And not that I had gotten off path. I was always honoring that with the Soul Lift projects we were doing, the stories I was sharing in the beginning, the videos I was creating, this podcast, but I want to go bigger. I want to go better. And after the universe clotheslined me a few times, it became very clear and very apparent that there was something I was missing. <laughs> and so I asked, what was that? What, what am I missing? What, what is that, that misalignment that's happening? And my friend Krista over at the I'm Awake Now What podcast, we were having a coffee chat and we were just talking about everything that was happening what our dreams were, what we wanted to create in the world, how we wanted to serve. We both felt really turned off by the current spiritual coaching culture. Not that there's anything wrong with being a spiritual coach, but there's kind of this blueprint that's been presented on social media that's step into your spirituality and become a spiritual coach and leave your nine to five job and create all these click funnels and masterclasses and when you can truly serve with integrity and that's the way you reach people by all means, that's wonderful. But I don't feel called to that. I do. I don't feel called to serve in that way. And I knew what I wanted to create existed in a new paradigm, something that had never been done that had never been done before. So it was really hard for me to truly put words and descriptions to what I wanted to create because it did not really exist yet. 
So Krista and I were sitting there on our coffee date, just looking at each other and we're like, are we the answer to each other's problems? Not that we had problems, but like, are we the answer to each other's dreams? Because she wanted to create a spirituality podcasting network and I wanted this media empire and we just looked at each other like, is, is this happening? Is, is this what's happening? Because when I made the decision in the fall to make the foundation of the company House of Enlightenedhood, I made it with the idea of knowing that I wanted it to be a place that you went for healing. I wanted it to be a safe space that overarched all different religions, healing modalities, conversations, everything that you could imagine would exist under House of Enlightenedhood. So here's what's happening because you're like, girl, I've been listening to this for so many minutes and you haven't even told me yet. <laughs> Here it is. House of Enlightenedhood is transforming. And by transforming, I mean up-leveling by a billion fold from my little, my little corner of sharing my truth and sharing your stories to becoming a badass spiritual media company that will include a podcasting network called Lightcasting that will have a bunch of different flagship shows, including Enlightenedhood and Krista's podcast, I'm Awake Now What? If you have never listened to it, please go check it out. It is amazing. It is a really powerful show about waking up and the spiritual path. It will include editorial content and storytelling. So this isn't changing, but I'm going back to the roots of what I've always feel called to do. We've had several guest authors from around the world share their, their stories, their wisdom. So that will also be a huge part of it, as well as video content. I have always had the dream to have my own TV show. And you know what? I am so done with waiting for someone to give me a permission slip to do all these things. So I'm creating it myself. There's going to be a lot more video content that comes with House of Enlightenedhood. It will become its own video network eventually. So yes, like I said, Media Empire, it is going to be a spiritual media company completely based in integrity. And all these conversations we have where you don't have to look a certain way to be spiritual. You don't have to have certain credentials to be spiritual. You just have to be ready to show up and heal and work on you. And the only prerequisite is that you are a human being physically. You might not identify one. I think I'm currently identifying as just like an alien. Um, so if anyone else is on a train, I feel you. Um, <laughs> but I digress. It's a grounded approach to spirituality where we're, we are reclaiming it and bringing that power back to you because we're not taught that we have this power. We're not taught we have this wisdom and this version of spirituality that is so misguided by capitalism and ego and privilege we're done with that. Okay. So come join us, come be part of the movement. If this really speaks to your soul and you want to be a part of it, let me know. But for now, I would love to get into my amazing interview with Liz Nevis. And we are talking today all about plant wisdom, plant spirits. If any of you follow me on Instagram, you know, I am a crazy plant lady. And this year, 
on my physical healing journey and healing my body from pregnancy, I have really dived into herbs and plant wisdom. I stopped using anything made by a pharmaceutical company in February. I have not gone back. I use plants for everything. This summer, I really started connecting with plant spirits. So I am so excited for my guest today. Liz Nevis is an herbalist, Reiki and healing drum practitioner, dream guide, meditation instructor, and mama living and teaching in Brooklyn, New York. She's the author of Northeast Medicinal Plants, Identify, Harvest and Use 111 Wild Herbs for Health and Wellness. In 2014, Liz founded Gathering Ground as a platform for herbal education, earth-based spirituality, meditation, and energy healing. She leads classes on herbal medicine, making plant connection and identification, and herbs for dreaming. So Liz and I are talking today about plant spirits, plant wisdom. How do you access it? Why are we so disconnected from plants? Some myths about herbology and the number one plant that seems to call out to people. Did this plant call out to you? And Liz also tells us of a few that we can start incorporating into our wellness and spiritual practice. So this interview and conversation all about plant wisdom will be up right after this. One of the biggest reasons I began to tiptoe out of the spiritual closet was I felt so lonely. I didn't have anyone in my life to discuss these soul level changes that happened when motherhood reawakened me. And that's why I feel so passionate about community and the ways finding soul family can forever change us. If you're looking to find your people and discover spiritual wisdom and guidance, in a safe and private space that is off of social media, we invite you to join our free community, The Garden. It's time to grow with us at garden.enlightenedhood.com or text GARDEN to 31996 for the link sent straight to your phone. Can't wait to see you inside. I am so excited to talk to you today about plants because... They have been such a huge part of my year and I just see more and more people waking up almost, I don't know if that's the right word, to plant wisdom. And so being able to make it more accessible and not seem like this scary thing where we can really access the wisdom of plants and Mother Earth and make it a really important part of our practice and the way that we connect, I think is so important. So I'd love to hear more about your journey with plants and how you became more connected with them yourself. So, um, I, you know, I was thinking about this, um, you know, how I got started with plants and I actually had a memory of, of childhood. Um, I didn't grow up in a household that used herbs. You know, I know some people are, were blessed with that sort of gift of having family pass down that information to them, but I'm a bit of a... Um, an oddball maybe in my family a little bit. Um, but I remember being in someone's backyard or playing outside and like smashing up yew berries and putting them into acorn caps and like making these cocktails and really identifying, I think at that age with like the, the witchy, um, the witchy aspects, you know, Mm -hmm. the witchy archetype and, um, and, and just like, you know, I know I didn't really pursue herbs until I was an adult, but I do have that memory that stands out of like really touching the plants and 
and feeling like a connection and, and, you know, a playful connection with the plants. But I think um, children just do naturally. They just gravitate toward um, picking up leaves and, and rocks and, and, you know, connecting to the earth in a way that adults forget yeah. about. Um, and not having any fear, you know, they just, they're just exploring and trying new things. So I just remember that, but, you know, it wasn't until much later, um, you know, not until I was in my twenties, late twenties, probably when I really started pursuing, uh, an herbal path, I was working in advertising at the time in pharmaceutical advertising, actually. Um, and I didn't want to work in an office environment anymore. I actually felt like it was making me feel sick. I wanted to be outside. I really wanted to be out in nature all the time. So I just started kind of surrounding myself with information, as much information as I could. I, I started a blog um, as a way to learn. I, I started to just collect info from websites, blogs, things like Tree Hugger. And, and then I learned about permaculture. And it was something entirely new to me. And I, I took a weekend workshop in it. And I was like, wow, this is really like, this is this just this, this encapsulates so much important ways of living that I think is missing in, in our modern lives. Mm. So, so from there, I decided to pursue it further. And I did a, uh, did a permaculture design certification. And through that, I found herbalism. I, I read an article that our teacher had given us from Susan Weed, who's an herbalist based in Woodstock, New York. And I just loved her humor. I loved her perspective on the plants. And I, it just opened me up in a way that I didn't realize like, Oh wow, you can actually make medicine with plants. Mm -hmm. Um so so from there that I just started studying with all all kinds of people. Um Robin Rose Bennett was one of my first teachers. Um and and then I just started actually just getting curious and learning from the plants themselves. Yeah, so I think that's a good segue to kind of talk about plant spirits because I think those of us who have connected with plants can attest to the fact that there is such a thing, but uh, maybe someone with not as much awareness might uh, scratch their head a little. Um, can we talk more about plant spirits and what we mean by that and the benefits of connecting to the spirit of a plant? Sure. I think, you know, I think it's funny that, um, you know, people might not be sure about it, but I think I can say that most people probably have a tree or a plant or some, you know, plant being that they've connected with in their lifetimes. So it's been really important to them, people that probably you would not expect. Mm -hmm. But I think most people have like that, that memory of connecting and whether they heard something from that plant or they just felt drawn to it for some reason, you know, we all have it in us. We are you know, just like the plants, we've grown up on the earth and we've grown up with these plants. They are our ancestors. They've been here longer than us. And so, um, you know, whether, whether people are actually aware of being called or not, I think that that is the case, you know, when, um, when we just feel drawn to a specific plant. So this plant spirit, I mean, everything has, everything has a spirit in it. Everything has 
life. Um, and, you know, it's hard to define what is a plant spirit. Um, it's hard to put into words, but it, like a human has a spirit, ha- has these aspects of themselves that makes them truly who they are in essence, you know, each, each plant and each type of plant has, um, has its own spirit. And you can, I guess you can distill it by species of plant, but you can also look at the individual too, just like humans, you know, we are a certain type and we have a certain spirit, but you know, each one of us has its, their own unique spirit. Um, and if you just, if we just look at plants the same way we would look at a, a, a friend or a family member, um, then I think we would be able to see the spirit more easily. Mm-hmm. And if, and one simple way to do that is just to find a plant that you feel connected to and sit with mm-hmm. it, <laughs> just sit with the plant and, and see what comes up. You know, I think people dismiss, can be dismissive sometimes of messages that they hear or things that they see when they're sitting with a plant. Mm. But I think that's also because our culture, you know, the dominant culture, the dominant way of thinking dismisses imagination as something that, you know, just your imagination or it's just a dream, you know, that, that kind of thinking, um, I think has gotten us into the mess that we're in as a culture (laughs) and the dominant sense, you know? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So, yeah. Would you agree that that's kind of one of the biggest blocks to connecting it all with, with plant wisdom? Yes. I think, well, they think there's a few different blocks. I think, you know, the dominant way of thinking and how ingrained that is in a lot of people's minds and how we doubt ourselves because of that. And, and then, um, the fear, you know, the fear of what might be revealed, the fear of what, you know, what path you might be taking. It can be scary sometimes to be listening to something other than human and following what, what they have to say, because it brings you into this realm of uncertainty of, of the unknown that a lot of people are afraid of, but we're <laughs> like it or not, we are in that place so deeply oh, yeah. right now, the place of the unknown <laughs> and the uncertain. So if not now, when? <laughs> yeah. It's so true. And I know one thing that has helped me is kind of something you alluded to when you were talking about when you were a kid is kind of this whimsy that goes with it of connecting with plants and making it fun and about joy. Because when you can add that aspect to it, I think it takes uh, like it tones the fear down a little bit. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Get back into your child self, get back into that innocent, sweet, you know, open-minded, open-hearted space. And um, yeah, try to let go of all those adult condition, all the adult conditioning that you have and, and just listen, you know, I'm actually sitting on a tree stump right here in Prospect Park in Brooklyn. And this tree used to be a tree that we would sit under when a group of moms and I, we would get together and our babies were just crawling. And this is exactly, we would sit right in the shade of this tree. And uh, today was the first time I've come to it since it's been cut down. Um, but the, you know, the tree spirit is still here and I'm sitting here and I feel like, I feel like a, a little kid on this <laughs> giant stump. <laughs> I love that so much. I, yeah, I think yeah. we forget to, to celebrate the the spirit and we yeah we're so I don't know I don't want to say we're have our heads in our phones but we do and I've I, I always get so frustrated especially this time of year when I see people walking and the trees are just so brilliant and they're 
speaking to you and then people are just looking at their phones. So how can we even begin to cultivate that awareness and be just completely open to what Mother Earth and its wisdom of all these different types of plants and trees are trying to tell us? Yeah, I think, um, you know, if you're going to use your phone, if you're going to have the phone, at least put it to use. There's some, you know, use your camera to take some pictures so you remember where the plants are that you love or what they look like year to year. It's funny because I, I take so many photos and I take photos, it turns out, of like the same plants every <laughs> year when they're blooming, when they're when they're in this beautiful state right now of color. Um, and, and it reminds me of the connection that I have to them. It reminds me that um, I'm drawn to the same plant spirits every year, you know, in the same time and that there's something really cyclical about my relationship with them. And we all have that cyclical relationship. It's a, you know, it's like a ritual or, or a ceremony where we, um, you know, we, we create these habits for ourselves. And I think if we just start to shift that a little bit towards, you know, I don't know what people are looking at on their phones, if they're checking email or, or, social media most likely mm -hmm. right um but you know and also yes definitely put the phone on mute put it away um and just let yourself let yourself completely unplug as much as you can when you're going out um take a walk you know take a walk this is a good time to get outside find that one plant that's calling to you and, and like I said, you know, just sit with that one, or if you can't get out, you know, maybe you have a house plant that you can just sit with and they're beautiful mirrors for us. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're not going to talk back in the same way, you know, a person would talk back, but, but they're, they're going to listen that you can cry to them. You can tell them your woes and they're going to, they're going to listen and, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think if anyone's still on the fence, there's just such beautiful studies about talking to plants and the effects that it has on, you know, being vulnerable and sharing emotions with plants of the negative and the positive emotions and what it does to the state of the plant. And I think that just really just goes to show how connected they are with what we're sharing and that there, there can be this relationship and it sounds silly saying you can have a relationship with your plants, but it's true. <laughs> it is. It's so true. And I know people who say that even when the plant is in a dried state, you know, even when it's in your spice rack or in, in a, you know, drawer or in a tea bag, they're still able to hear. Mm. They're still able to hear them. So, you know, it doesn't, you know, don't, it doesn't have to be something fancy. It doesn't have to be. Um, you don't have to even go outside. There's plant life all around us all the time. You know, the furniture you sit on, all these things came from plants. Mm. Um, so even just connecting with that knowledge that um, we rely so much on plants. Um, open up your vegetable drawer in your refrigerator. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, there's so many ways of connecting. Um, it's just a matter of looking at it with a new perspective. I love that because you bring up such a good point that I can imagine and I sometimes feel this way, especially with all the herbalism books that I bought over the summer, 
that there are just so many different plants. There are so many things to learn that can that it can feel kind of overwhelming of where to start and what to connect with, what to look for, who to know how to talk to. And I think it doesn't have to be hard or complicated. It's more just what you feel called to in that simple shift of perspective that we are surrounded by plants. Yeah, that and, you know, start simple. This is something I have to tell myself all the time still after like 12 years of of studying herbs. And uh, you have to just keep it simple. Choose one plant. Let one plant choose you. um, And just spend some time with that. Just like getting to know a new friend. You know, you spend time with them and you get to know them. Um, it's easy to get overwhelmed. I, you know, like I said, I do it to myself. I'll surround myself with books and information and just flood my system. But we're so full of information right now. Everyone is maxed out with information. Um, it's time to simplify, really, really go down to the basics and choose, you know, choose one path and stick with it for a little while and see where it takes you. Eventually you'll get to know that one. And then somebody new will come along and and teach you something else. Do you choose specific plants or feel called to them based on use? For instance, ones that are more medicinal based that you might be ingesting or using for tinctures or teas or ones that you just sit with their energy and their aura for healing. Do you have those kind of different funnels that you use for connecting with different plants? Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes they come in in different ways. So, you know, sometimes uh, I'll get a a dream, I'll have a dream of an herb. And um, that's one way that I've connected. And then from there, I will, you know, find or make the medicine from that and then keep learning about it. And, you know, after I've kind of exhausted my own intuition about it, I'll, I'll read online or look in a book about, you know, what, what do other people say to sort of somewhat validate what I've come up with, but also to get different, different ideas from other people. And, you know, as you get to know each plant, you get to understand, you know, which parts of it are used for medicine and what kind of medicine is the best way to take it. Um, you know, a lot of cases, just making a simple infusion or tea is like, one of the best ways you can take medicine and get to know it because you are, you know, you're tasting it, you're infusing it with water, you're bringing it back to life. Mm. And you're, you know, you're, it's a, it's a slow way. You're sitting with it, sipping a cup of tea and tasting, you know, getting the taste and getting the way that it feels in your body. And, you know, it's a, it's a really direct way to learn. What has been one plant that has forever changed your connection to plants? Is there one that really stands out in your mind? You know, I can think of so many stories, individual stories, but I, I like to talk about mugwort a lot yes. because, um, yes, right. So many people know mugwort and some people really hate mugwort <laughs> and, <laughs> so, and some people love it. And so mugwort, I feel like is the plant that calls to people a lot of times. It's the first plant to call. To it was people the first one to call to me because. Oh, yeah. So you're another person. I love it. I feel like I need to collect stories about how many people have been called by mugwort. Um, mugwort is, I say, like, she's an initiator. She's um, definitely shifts our perception. You know, that is kind of like what we all need, this shakeup to shift our perceptions, to see 
I think what Mugwort does is allows us to see, um, you know, kind of get over our plant blindness and help us distinguish one plant from another and connect us more deeply with, um, with the plant energy and the plant spirit. Um, and being like a dreaming herb, you know, just opens us up in so many different ways and, and stimulates flow in the whole body and the, and the mind. Um, I'm a big fan of mugwort. <laughs> I, yeah. When I was first learning about just starting to know different herbs, mugwort was the first one. And I ended up growing some mugwort in my own garden this summer and made some smudge sticks and then dried it out for tea. And it is a little, it's not the best tasting herb that I've ever had, but it's definitely, I completely agree with what you said that just, she opens you up so much to just your planned blindness. I love how you phrased it that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, funny. Cause I give plant walks, um, here in prospect park and I love it when I get new people because they admit, you know, I don't know one plant from another. I'm, I just walk past the field of green and I don't know what's what, and that's why I'm here. I, and I, I, that's where I started too. I really didn't know. Everything looked the same. I didn't even pay attention. I just, you know, walked through and like a lot of us, um, probably just saw a landscape, you know, and you don't really see the individuals in the landscape, but as you, you know, when you start to delve in and, you know, you try, try a plant like mugwort, you start to notice the patterns and the differentiation uh, of each the different spirits and different you know forms of the plant yeah I I think one thing that really opened my eyes is that I felt like I put too much attention on the common flowers and ones that you would see and go buy at like Home Depot let's say for your garden in the summer where I felt like the true wisdom is coming from the the things we see as weeds that we're overlooking while we're walking through the woods or something Absolutely. Yeah. The weeds have a lot of, um, have a lot to teach us. I'm looking down right now at a a very tattered looking patch of plantain, which is another plant that, um, there are native plantains here, but then they were also like mugwort an introduced plant that would, people would consider a weed. Um, both of those plants were also though considered sacred by people in Europe, um, particularly the Anglo-Saxons who had a charm, uh, charms were spoken as part of the healing um, practice. Um, Nowadays, you know, we just take a pill, even of of an herb sometimes, and we don't think about that, um, the healing power of words. Yeah. Um, And yeah, so my, my, most of my ancestors come from, from Europe and, and the British Isles and um, that was something that was just part of the medicine. You spoke a charm with it. And that was, you know, you would never give the medicine without saying something. Mm. Um, yeah. So, so these weeds, these are, these are sacred herbs that are growing here, um, that get mowed and, you know, but they're here, they're, they're resilient. They're very resilient, more resilient than some people would like (laughs) them to be. (laughs) Yeah. How has learning more about all these sacred herbs that surround you and connecting with their wisdom, how has it changed your connection to yourself? Uh, it, it is the ultimate like mirror and healer. Um, 
I, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's hard even to articulate and it's because it's happened over time, you know, from even before when I act before I actually started on this path, um, you know, I, I was able to look back earlier in my life and see some connections to plants that I'm still connecting with now that I wa- didn't even realize I was connecting with when I was younger. And um, I think it just, um, they really help us accept ourselves and be compassionate with ourselves. Um, and like you said earlier, being vulnerable, like, cause we can just completely open up to them without any judgment. Um, and that is really such an important, um, such an important thing for people today. I think there's a lot of shame and judgment, self-shame, self-judgment, um, lack of compassion that is pervasive. Um, and the plants really, for me, um, have opened me up to that, um, healing. Wow. It's, it's so, so beautiful to hear you say that. And again, I just feel, I don't know if frustrated is the right word, just that it's something that completely surrounds us in our everyday life and can be so simple and so beautiful and profound, yet it's something that we are completely overlooking. Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know, I think that this time, I'm witnessing, definitely witnessing a shift in that. Mm, Yeah. Um, I think, I don't know if it's because of where I live, um, being such a, a, a populated place um, and being so close to this big public space and seeing it being um, utilized in a new way. Like people are really getting outside and, and enjoying being out here in, in the elements. And I don't know if everyone is connecting with plants. You know, I don't know if everyone is seeing the beauty and the wisdom, but at least they're out here. Um, and whether they know it or not, they're being affected by, by the healing of, of the earth, of the plants, just sitting on the, sitting on the earth, the bare earth, you know, that that's healing in and of itself. Mm -hmm. I completely noticed the same. that answer your question? (laughs) Yeah, no, I completely noticed the same thing as, especially with the pandemic and all of the normal things that we went to do were closed. And the only thing that was left was to go outside and take walks. And part of me feels a little sad that it had to come to that to get people outside. But it also is really beautiful to watch people reconnect with nature. Yeah, I think it's a much needed and, and a positive side of, of the pandemic is forcing everyone to really, you know, slow down in their lives and get outside and, and connect in a way that um, we hadn't been doing before. So, mm. yeah. And, and I think, you know, this is like a whole other tangential topic, but what led us to this point really is our disconnect with the yes. earth, our destruction you know how we we are you know destroying the earth the the virus you know came out of a place that wasn't probably wasn't inhabited by a lot of people and you know deforestation disrupts the ecosystem and creates these conditions that are ripe for a novel virus to emerge and so, you know, if we hadn't done that, the earth wouldn't have come back to us with the lesson of like, you need to stop and get outside and connect with the earth, yeah. you know, to see what, to see where, where we're going wrong. Yeah. Here. Oh, um, yeah. I completely agree with that. And I don't know about you, but 
It just feels like recently Mother Earth has just been giving just such profound wisdom through like the clouds and the trees and the wind. And it almost just feels like this really beautiful energy shift that has happened recently. Have you felt anything similar? Um, you know, I feel those shifts a lot. Um, it's, it's, um, I do feel them physically. We've been kind of shrouded in mist for the last couple of days here in Brooklyn. Um, and I feel like, you know, it probably varies depending on where you are, um, geographically, but, um, I, I think maybe cause I've always been in tune with those kind of shifts. Um, I've noticed them happening throughout over the last, maybe at last couple of years where today, I mean, today is so still, yes, so, so yes. still. um, yeah, like there's absolutely no movement. <laughs> yes. Wild. I felt the same thing this morning when I was walking. I was like, wow, it is just like so yeah, still is the perfect word for it. Do you come across any now that I'm thinking about it as people are connecting and maybe not even realizing they're connecting and maybe it sparks something in them? Do you come across common misconceptions or myths about working with plants or plant medicine that maybe stops people from going further down their journey? Yeah, I think that happens a lot. And, and even, even us herbalists can spread misinformation unknowingly or be taught one thing and then learn later that it wasn't true. Um, this happened, you know, I don't, I don't know a ton about, you know, treatments for coronavirus, for COVID, but I do know that some people were talking about elderberry and, um, you know, not to take elderberry because it causes a cytokine storm in the body, which would be detrimental if you were, you know, encountering the virus. But, mm. you know, people are starting to change because we, we really don't know that it comes down to this as humans, we're kind of just all you know, there, obviously there are people who are practiced in something and they know certain things, but when it comes down to it, really, we're pretty naive. We don't really know a lot. We just, um, we pretend to know, <laughs> I think a lot of the times we have a, we have a fear of not knowing. Um, and so we get, we get maybe attached to an idea and maybe there is some science to back it up, but even then, like how, how, what is it, what are the methods that, were used to obtain that information. What, where did that science come from? Um, is it, and how are our own biases, biases like affecting that? Um, <laughs> hi, another child is coming up to see me. Hi, you know, dude, I would love for you to hang out with me, but I am on a call. <laughs> are you just need to, oh, he's giving a gift to the tree. Are you giving a gift to the tree? That is dirt. You can give it to the tree. Go that's ahead. Amazing. Yeah, that's a good thing. That is a beautiful thing to give. I see some New England asters in there and some clovers. <laughs> so yes, there's definitely you know information out there that's that's real. But then there, there's a lot of like we have to just be okay with not knowing sometimes if we're right or knowing you know. And I think people just get caught up. They're maybe afraid to do the wrong thing too, especially with herbs. And of course there are some herbs that, um, you know, that have so-called side effects or, um, can be harmful for certain people. And so you just need to like, you know, look at, look at as much 
information as you can about that herb. St. John's wort is the one that comes to mind mm. most often for me. Um, it has a lot of contraindications um, for people with, on different medications so or pl- plants that are blood thinning medications. So I think, you know, you, you do have to be careful. You do have to be cautious. You do have to pay attention to information that you trust. Um, from trusted sources Mm. Uh, but it is it definitely it definitely can um, you know can happen where there's misinformation yeah um, being spread another I actually just recently I was reading about angelica um, one of my one of my favorite herbs an herb that came to me in a dream and um, I had always had the this is like pregnancy is one of those places where I think a lot of people are like, oh, what can I take? I don't mm, know. I'm afraid yeah. I'm going to hurt the baby. I'm going to hurt myself, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, it is a time to be cautious. It is a time to maybe cut back on the amount of herbs that you're taking and just stick with nourishing herbs. But I had always thought Angelica, you know, Angelica should not be taken during pregnancy. It's too stimulating to the uterus. But then I read from one herbalist who said that that's, you know, not true. Mm. So, <laughs> so yeah, there's, um, it, it can be hard to navigate sometimes. I think you just have to, you know, partially go with your own intuition and your own comfort level. Um, and it's okay. It's okay to be cautious. Um, but you know, also not fearful. That's kind of a fine line. Is there besides mugwort, is there any herb that you recommend that we should be incorporating into whether it's our practice or our wellness that is not to say that one is all encompassing, but maybe a good place to start? Yeah, I think most people would do well with some nettles. Mm, yes. <laughs> Singing nettles. Um, it's deeply nourishing. It has magnesium and calcium and it helps, you know, restore so many aspects of our health. Um, then that definitely stinging nettles. Uh, another one, probably for a lot of people, unless you're really sensitive, uh, gluten intolerant or intolerant to oats, is um, is milky oats. Mm. Um, milky oats for for our nervous systems, for um, for nourishing, just nourishing the nervous system. We really, really need that right now. Um, those two are really like foundational herbs that people can start with. Um, you know, there's very little caution aside from what I mentioned. Uh, stinging nettles can be drying for some people. So um, there is that one little caution. But, um, you know, obviously, like you said, there's no one size fits all. And everyone has a different um, different constitution, a different uh, a different way of, you know, metabolizing things and so not every herb is going to work for every person um but yeah those two i feel like are really good foundational herbs that most people can tolerate yeah i drink nettle every day it helps my allergies so much yeah 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 totally it's antihistaminic and and also just the way that it you know nourishes the body uh, i think just you know makes you less reactive in, in general. Well, Liz, it's been such a pleasure to talk about all things plants with you. Thank you so much for demystifying some things about plant wisdom. <laughs> and I really hope that everyone listening will consider bringing more plant allies into their life. Yeah, me too. I, it was such a pleasure to talk to you and I, I'm happy to share any more information if anyone wants to reach out. Um, 
I'm available. Yes, so, I will put all you. of Liz's information in the show notes so you guys can soak up all of her amazing plant wisdom. 